for nearly two decades. The award-winning Your Financial Editor Program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with Your Financial Editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor Program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, you can go to iTunes and listen to the Your Financial Editor Program as a podcast. I am Chris Murray, your host. So glad to have you along today. I hope you're having a good weekend. Really good program planned for you. A little bit uh, out of our lane, but really not too much. Um, It has to do with politics. But the politics, obviously, are impacting, that we'll we'll be talking about, um, are impacting uh, the economy, financial markets, uh, people's everyday uh, lives. So we're going to be talking about about that. As they always say, um, elections have consequences, right? So we're going to talk about uh, some of those things. Joining me in just a little bit, Ms. Joy Pullman. She's the executive editor at The Federalist. Um, she has written a very good piece this week uh, in response to the Time magazine piece uh, on the election and um, kind of highlighting everything and um, pointing out some very important information. And we're going to get her take on it. It was very well written. Like I said, Miss Pullman, um, she's. Uh, best-selling uh, author. She actually has a new book getting ready to come out. We'll talk about that as well. Um, but, yeah, so she'll be joining me in just a little bit to discuss that. As far as top stories of this week, uh, there were a lot of them. So, I mean, one of the things that breaks your heart is when you hear about a cornerstone um, potentially having to change their way or or to be taken away. And that's what we heard from the uh, president of the New York Stock Exchange this week. She uh, put a piece, an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. Her name is Stacey Cunningham, by the way. And she basically said that um, the New York Stock Exchange may leave the state of New York if lawmakers up there approve a proposal to tax stock trades. Um, She basically was saying if Albany lawmakers get their way, however, the center of the global financial industry may need to find a new home. So can you imagine the New York Stock Exchange, which, by the way, has been there since 1792, and it's the world's largest in terms of market capitalization, if they were to move out of New York to another state? So she was saying that while New York has remained a center of gravity for the financial industry, many employees of Wall Street firms are migrating to Florida, to Texas and other states with hospitable tax policies. And that if lawmakers opt to, um, you know, uh, put this tax in place, the NYSE may need to uh, follow the lead of those relocating firms. Um, Some advocates of the tax say that uh, the state would get about $13 billion. Um, I saw some other numbers. I think that was a little exaggerated. But again, I just can't get over the fact that the New York Stock Exchange, they're actually putting it in writing that they may move uh, based on uh, these, uh, the the laws and and whatnot. Um, We know just how hard small businesses are getting uh, hit by the virus. Um, I saw this week uh, there was uh, some information out from uh, the Federal Reserve banks, all 12 regional districts, saying that without a fresh round of taxpayer aid, 
about a third of the nation's small businesses are saying they won't be able to survive. Um, and that was according to that new report that was published by the Fed, which found that uh, the sales for 88 percent of small businesses have not yet returned to pre-virus levels. Um, so it's not only the death and the illness, the sickness um, related to the virus, but also, of course, the economic and business damage that's being done. The report was based on responses from close to 10,000 businesses with fewer than 500 employees. And again, it just underscores the extent of the pain inflicted on small businesses by the virus and uh, the country which spawned it. And it's, it's just heartbreaking. And you know what else is even worse? Um, while 50% of the businesses said their financial situation was fair or poor in the fall, 57%, that increased to 66% for Latino-owned businesses and 77% for black-owned businesses. So anybody that's wondering about what should be done, it's really simple. Open the economy. Use common sense. If anybody's uh, at risk because of comorbidities, they need, be, they need to take care of themselves and be taken care of. Um, it's not rocket science. I don't know. You know, the, the politics in this is unbelievable. Um, it really is. I can't get my arms around it. Um, and another really sad story, but you know, I only want to share it because of you that are parents and grandparents out there. And some of the things that uh, young people are exposed to um, and how it may hurt them. Uh, we heard, you know, a lot the last few weeks about Robinhood, the app where you can go on and trade stocks. And, and you know, it was really, really popular, especially with millennials. Uh, Robinhood got in some trouble because of the short selling that was going on at GameStop and other um, other companies. And um, it kind of got their their wrist kind of whacked, if you will. Um, but it was sad to hear that the family of a 20-year-old who committed suicide last year filed a lawsuit against the stock trading app Robinhood over his death. So the young man, his name was Alex Kearns. He was a student at the University of Nebraska. And he mistakenly thought that he had lost more than $700,000 in a risky bet on Robinhood. So since June, um, apparently Robinhood said we made improvements to our options offering. Uh, they include adding the ability to exercise contracts in the app, guidance to help customers through um, the, the processes, etc. But Kearns' family uh, claimed that Robinhood, their business practices directly led to their son's death with his mother and father alleging the Robin Hood uh, that they targeted, basically young and inexperienced customers. I think there's a lot of that going on out there. People are using the app, but um, they really don't know what they're doing. It's a, that's a dangerous combination. Um, Mr. Kearns, the young man, received emails from Robin Hood informing him that his account was restricted on June 11th and that he was required to buy 700,000 shares uh, or $700 worth in shares as a result of an options trade, which left this massive negative balance. And Kearns was trying to get in touch with Robin Hood, saying this can't be the case. This can't be the case. And tragically, Robin Hood's communications were completely misleading 
because in reality, Alex did not owe any money at all. And um, it just, uh, I guess it devastated him to the point, and maybe he had other issues going on, I don't know, but it devastated him to the point that uh, that he took his own life. So, this, you know, the only thing that you can take from that is make sure if you do have children or grandchildren that they really know what they're doing um, on these apps, especially when money's involved and um, you know, they can get confused and be scared and maybe make a, a, a terrible mistake. Um, Bitcoin is really getting some traction finally, along with other digital currencies. Um, a big week for Bitcoin this week, and that's because um, Tesla uh, revealed that they had bought $1.5 billion of the cryptocurrency, um, and they were soon going to accept that as a form of payment for their cars. So the announcement was buried deep in Tesla's 2020 annual report. But I'll tell you what, when word came out, I mean, Bitcoin just continued to uh, skyrocket. Um, And now you've got other companies that have come out this week, including the oldest bank in the country, the Bank of New York, saying um, that they're going to make those platforms available. So it looks like Bitcoin's here to, to, to stay. Um, I don't know about the regulation. Uh, I don't know about the dark side of cryptocurrencies with uh, drug money and terrorism and human trafficking and all that bad, bad stuff that goes on in this world. Um, that's a way that apparently they're able to hide, to hide a lot of that. And hopefully um, our Treasury Department and other uh, organiza- or agencies, I should say, will be able to, you know, not be fooled by that and continue to do a really good job in tracking down those uh, those terrible, terrible people. Well, the uh, $15 minimum wage uh, increase that's been proposed by Democrats um, is really getting a lot of talk. Some people are saying Biden's going to back it. Some people are saying that, no, it'll be later down the road, whatever the case might be. But there was a, uh, um, a survey um, or research Uh, some economic research that I saw this week that says if that happens, it's going to lead to higher child care costs for many families as child care providers pass on the cost of higher wages to uh, to the little guys and girls parents. So um, establishing a fifteen dollar minimum wage would hike child care costs by an average of twenty one percent across the United States which translates to $3,728 per year for a family with just two children. And, and by the way, families in lower cost states like uh, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Louisiana, for example, would see the biggest increase. So you've already got child care consuming um, sometimes more than 40% uh, of the family budget in those median household incomes in a lot of states. So a lot of families could be priced out of the child care market completely, the uh, paper uh, revealed. Now, in turn, unintended con- consequences of a $15 minimum wage would force some parents to give up their jobs and live on lower household incomes while causing others, especially single parents, to turn to non-licensed, typically illegal child care. That's terrible. So I hope people really are thinking about this. I know, especially if you're young and you're thinking, man, I can get a job and make 15 bucks an hour. You don't need that. You can start out at a lower minimum wage. Work your way up. That's the way, you know, that's the way of America. 
This is not good for a lot of people. I mean, they've already said it's going to cost about, I don't know, 1.3, 1.4 million jobs because so many businesses. And we know this just you can walk into a lot of stores now and there's a kiosk because they're already sick of having to deal with all these employees that don't want to work. And then they want to sue them for something or whatever the case might be. So um, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot on this one for sure. And it's it's really a shame, you know, especially when I think of a single parent. Um, you know, how how they're going to be impacted in such a negative way. Other stuff going on in the uh, political area. There was a bill introduced in South Dakota, the state legislator uh, legislature this week that would grant the state's attorney general the authority to determine whether Biden's executive orders are constitutional and potentially nullify them at the state level. So this proposed legislation, which uh, describes itself as an act to authorize the review of certain executive issue orders issued by Biden, was sponsored by a group of uh, lawmakers there. The legislative effort to potentially exempt South Dakota from the executive orders that came after the decision to end the Keystone XL pipeline project. So that 1,200-mile pipeline would cross uh, South Dakota and deliver more than 830,000 barrels of oil each day from Alberta, Canada, down to Nebraska, where it would then connect with the existing facilities to reach refiners on the Gulf Coast. So um, the uh, governor, Governor Nome of South Dakota, said the pipeline is not just only creating jobs and helps a secure and affordable energy supply. It's also safer for the environment. History has proven over and over again that the way they are transporting their energy supply today is compromised in many ways, and it would be safer through a pipeline than on trucks and trains, and everybody knows that. So why do you want to stop a pipeline to increase um, the uh the the emissions because of all the trucks etc it's just it makes no sense again it's just all political that's all it is um and and also we heard from uh oklahoma's governor ken stitt uh he said that he had issued an executive order that makes a recent executive order by biden of no effect to the state of oklahoma he said the reason is to nullify biden's executive order um, again, because of uh, the oil and gas industry and uh, how it's destroying thousands of jobs, um, he said that uh, the executive order is 2021-03 highlights Oklahoma's role as a global leader in energy production, as well as the state's successful all-of-the-above strategy that has reduced carbon dioxide emissions to levels below the national average while producing the most affordable energy in the United States. So uh, that was from Oklahoma. And, you know, it just comes out to to really summarize all this. There was a nice um, survey that was done of more than uh, 28,000 readers um, from the Epic Times saying that uh, they found that 98% disagree with putting a stop to the Keystone Pipeline construction um, that uh, Biden put the kibosh on with executive order back on the 21st of January. January. Um, one person, David from Michigan, wrote the pipeline would reduce environmental risk of alternative means to transport. Stopping it unilaterally was an affront to Canada. It will also increase our dependence on for, uh, foreign 
sources of energy, especially from extremist regimes. So people don't want this. I, I don't I don't know. It seems really weird. And it's just um, backwards thinking as far as instead of creating jobs, you're um, you're eliminating jobs. Um, and then, of course, you have the guy who thinks he's something, Carrie, who really isn't. But, you know, he loves he's a narcissist like so many of them. Um, it's all about them and they know better. You just kind of be quiet and go sit in the corner and they'll tell you how to live your life. Um, so, you, you know, you've got all of these people involved and him saying just ignorant things like, yeah, they can stop uh, oil and gas work and they can work on a solar panel, which, of course, isn't true because none of those jobs are ready. But we heard that before. Shovel ready jobs. Remember that? Which, of course, uh, they, they never uh, materialized. And here's something that's really got my goat this week. China's ambassador to the United States has renewed the Beijing's regime theory that the Chinese Communist Party virus may have originated in the United States. So he had an interview with CNN recently. He was asked if the World Health Organization ex, uh, experts um, in the central Chinese city of Wuhan uh, that were investigating the origin of the virus would be granted full access to China. I think everybody knows that after a year, if there was anything to see or what there was to see, I think, um, you know, it's 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 all covered up by now. So he said um, he said, sure, you know, no problem. They'll be allowed to to do and, and, and ask whatever they want. But his question was, will they be allowed to come here to the United States to do the same thing? Um, basically, you know, talking about um, the virus originated here, which is they've said this for quite a while um, and they keep bringing it back up just to create uh, confusion and, and disinformation. So um, it just goes to show just how terrible these people are, um, the, the Communist Party, Communist members. Remember, it's not the Chinese people, right? What is there, like 1.2 billion Chinese people? But when I talk to... Um, the fella, um, Mr. Chang, um, last year, he said that there's only 83 million um, Chinese Communist Party members. So 83 million out of 1.2 billion. But the problem is they're in all the right places and they're watching what the citizens do, what they don't do, what they say. Um, so it's, you have to be so careful because otherwise you'll get in trouble and, uh, that's not a good thing. We don't want good people, uh, innocent people, you know, to, to be hurt. So, um, it's extremely important that we continue what president Trump started and secretary of state, Mike Pompeo with making sure that we are on high, high alert with whatever China is doing, which by the way, just, discovered um another breach maybe i think the fbi's been investigating it for years and years and it was proven to be true so i'm going to take a quick break want to remind you you can go to murrayfinancialgroup.com right there on the home page our current complimentary takeaway the value of an objective opinion uh just click that button you get it uh instant download and then um enjoy it i hope uh, i hope you like it we've got some economic data and then on the other side of that, we'll be talking with my guest, Mrs. Uh, Joy Pullman, the executive editor, editor at um, the, uh, the Federalist, about the article on politics in Time magazine. 
too. Two-tone tank top slipping off her shoulder. Kind of girl wants to step at the world stand still. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930, WFMD at WFMD.com. And also, uh, as a podcast, go to the iTunes store and uh, you can listen to the Your Financial Editor program as a pod, uh, podcast. And um, talking about some economic data this week, not a ton of it. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't real good to, uh, to look at. Um, the one thing that I always pay close attention to the uh, NFIB, the National Federation of Independent Business, Small Business Optimism Index, declined in January. It was down nine-tenths of a percent from where it was in December to a reading of 95, um, and three points below that 47-year average. Uh, So owners are expecting better business conditions over the next six months. That part of it uh, declined by seven points to a net negative 23%, the lowest level we've seen since November of 2013. Um, the chief economist, Bill Dunkelberg, who's been on the program here before with us, uh, basically was saying that as Congress debates another stimulus package, small employers welcome any additional relief that will provide a powerful fiscal boost as their expectations for the future are uncertain. And he said that the uh, COVID pandemic continues to dictate how small businesses operate and owners are worried about the future business conditions and sales. So um, we've really seen the last couple months, uh, well, really since the election, this uh, take a a turn for the worse, um, because not only are they dealing with uh, the virus and the mandatory shutdowns and um, uh, those type of things. They're worried about new regulations, new taxes, uh, new restrictions, things of that nature. So it's making it really uh, hard for them. Another thing that was hard to look at once again this week, the number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits came in uh, last week at 793,000. So that's just showing you that these job cuts out there um, remain high. Um, And what I didn't like to see the previous week was revised higher. I hope we don't start this garbage again like we did with the Obama administration's Labor Department. So um, originally they said it was 779,000. Well, then we get a revision to 812,000. So, again, just one time, you know, we'll just look at it this last week and give them the benefit of the doubt. But that was chronic with uh, that old administration and with each labor secretary they had. So um, the job market had shown some tentative improvement last summer. But then again, you know, we're seeing more shutdowns and more restrictions. And, um, you know, employers just aren't sure how this is all going to work out. And these businesses are concerned and uh, that's what's leading to uh, to these terrible numbers in the job market. Also, the Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, said that the federal government is on track for a $2.3 trillion deficit this year. Guess what? That doesn't include the additional $1.9 trillion um, that uh, they're trying to get pushed through this week. Uh, or excuse me, uh, this month uh, down on Capitol Hill. 
So um, not good, this debt thing. I mean, you know, people aren't real worried about it, some people. Um, and it's easy not to worry about it when you have interest rates as low as they are. But when they start going up, we have to service that higher interest rate debt. Mm, hold on. Uh, also, we saw that uh, the Consumer Price Index, a CPI, uh, was up three-tenths of a percent in January. You know why? Energy. So energy cost jumped three and a half percent, led by a four or excuse me, a seven point four percent surge in gasoline. So just the talk of what's going to happen in the energy industry and, you know, trying to force like we saw again uh, in the Obama administration, force this green energy stuff that was a failure, not ready. The um, product, the technology wasn't good. You saw uh, massive um, uh, bankruptcies, all that. So, I mean, people are starting to react to it, um, and we see it in the marketplace now. Chairman Powell, uh, he had a speech this week. He was talking to the Economic Club of New York, I saw. And, you know, he was warning about U.S. jobs, that the market is fragile, knowing um, that things are even worse now than at the worst point of uh, the Great Recession. Um, so he's kind of telling us the same thing. Um, and by the way, we'll have to wait and see. He's just a year away from his term being up. So we'll have to see um, if he gets the nod from Biden or if uh, there's another person, which I think there will be nominated for that uh, that position. Um, I don't think he can become a good enough lapdog uh, in the White House to to keep his place, but maybe you know we'll have to wait and see. It's like I said, it's a it's a year away. MurrayFinancialGroup.com, uh, the homepage there. You can get our uh, complimentary download. It's called "The Value of an Objective Opinion: Why Objective Financial Advice is Important." A lot of good information in there for you. So um, just click the button, you get the download to your email, and then uh, you can enjoy it. And on the other side of this break, uh, when we come back, we'll be talking with my guest, Miss Joy Pullman. She's the executive editor of The Federalist, um, and she wrote a really good piece uh, this week. Time magazine gushingly profiles the successful conspiracy to rig the 2020 election. So I know there's a lot of people out there that, you know, are boohooing that nothing, absolutely nothing was done wrong. And then there's others um, who have really felt that there, there were serious, serious problems. And this Time Magazine article kind of admitted that. So, and people were floored. I mean, Time Magazine is a thing of the past. I think only 1% of Americans read it. But, um, and they're famously known for picking the wrong uh, person for person of the year, just like they did uh, last year, instead of it being frontline workers, um, you know, it was political. But anyway, we're going to talk about that. So don't go anywhere. The way I talk. I got it from a pop product of some milling down in a town where the doors don't lock. And there's a million other people like me from a scene a little more poke dunk and pop. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. 
Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And also as a podcast on iTunes, uh, you can listen to the Your Financial Editor program. Welcome to everybody. If you're just tuning in for the second part of the program, so glad to have you along. If you're a new listener, thank you so much. If you've been with us for a while, thank you. And if you're an oldie but a goodie, going back to 1997, uh, thanks a ton for that. Really appreciate it. Had a lot of fun and uh, really have uh, enjoyed your support. Um, this is, as I mentioned earlier in the program, it's a little bit out of my lane, um, the the topic today. Um, obviously, you know, I get political and I'm not apologetic for that. But I always make sure that whatever we're talking about uh, has some type of tie to the financial markets, to the economy, to our everyday lives and, you know, the benefits uh, to ourselves and our families. So when I learned that Time magazine uh, actually did an article titled The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign that Saved the 2020 Election, a big flag was raised because um, I thought, obviously, like most people did before the virus, that our economy was really hitting on probably all eight cylinders and things were looking good. Record numbers uh, as far as employment goes, especially for ladies and also um, for minorities. Uh, businesses were really rocking and rolling because of a reduction in taxes and regulation, just those restraints. So when we, um, you know, had the election, everything changed. And we've already seen that with the executive orders. Um, so that's the tie in because. There was a lot of questions about the uh, integrity of the presidential election. And um, to see this piece come out now, look, only like one percent of the country, I think, subscribes to Time magazine. Um, It's a fish wrap as far as I'm concerned. But still, you know, it's it's amazing for them to get up in your face this way. So um, really, it was it was great that my guest this morning, Miss Joy Pullman, who is the executive editor of The Federalist, Um, A mother of six, uh, a happy wife, she calls herself. Um, She's written books, by the way. um, I'll let you know. She's got one coming up if you want to sign up early to get access to it. It's called How to Control the Internet So It Doesn't Control You. And she's uh, sold other books as well. And she wrote an article about the Time magazine article, and that's what we're going to talk about. Good morning, Ms. Pullman. Good morning. Thanks so much for taking time to be with us. I really appreciate it. Um, Congratulations on your new book coming out. uh, And hopefully um, I can get a copy of that and we'll get you back on the program to spend um, time just talking about uh, the book and the importance. I mean, you can just tell from the title how to control the Internet so it doesn't control you. That's a very, very important topic these days. Um, I also want to encourage everybody, you can go to um, the uh, Federalist.com, and you can get this uh, article that uh, Mrs. Pullman wrote um, and enjoy it for yourself. And I would encourage you to sign up for the daily emails from the Federalist because they have a lot of good stuff in them, and it keeps you in the know as opposed to kind of being uh, shovel-fed a lot of garbage uh, elsewhere. So, Mrs. Pullman, how surprised were you? to see this uh, article from Time Magazine? I honestly could almost was not sure. I mean, I thought it was a joke at first, you know, or you're kind of thinking, (laughs) uh, you know, so, you know, basically since, you know, the November election, it's, there have been extreme measures taken by 
you know, Facebook, Twitter, members of Congress, um, you know, all cable news companies, you know, all kinds of just basically to say it's completely you're not allowed upon threat of being canceled from public discourse to say, uh, you know, there's something, you know, there's a lot of things about the election results that bear investigation, discussion, um, you know, and, and that was completely banned, you know, um, and, and it was really persecuted and prosecuted, you know, socially. And then all of a t- sudden, you know, um, Molly Ball, as well-known journalist on the left, comes out and writes this major front cover piece for Time magazine, literally saying, and I'm quoting here, you know, sounding, um, and, and she again uses, you know, yeah, so I'll just literally uh, quote, let's see, that a well-funded cabal of powerful people mounted an extraordinary shadow effort uh, <laughs> uh, that sounds like a paranoid fever dream to affect the 2020 election. So again, you know, these are things that YouTube is taking to taken down now all videos that have any person talking about this issue. <laughs> um, so, it, again, it's kind of whiplash going on to just see kind of the left really tooting their own horn. And, um, you know, again, just a few months after taking extraordinary measures against their political opponents, talking about the exact same topic. Yeah, I, I agree. And and also I want to let people know um, you can go uh, just search uh, Time magazine election article it'll come up it's free i printed it off a couple days ago read what uh molly ball who again is the national political correspondent for time this piece and she was at the atlantic before she's she's a brand name leftist journalist you know she's you know not you know from even like you know uh salon you know right or you know or like you know kind of dubious sort of publications you know she is yeah brand name you know time magazine's brand name the atlantic can't get more marquee than that right yeah exactly so you can uh folks to our listeners you can um you can download this and print it and or you can read it online but i i printed it and highlighted things that because i was so um i mean almost fell off my chair i I couldn't believe it i'm like um like you mrs pullman i was like is this some kind of a joke am i just really being set up you know here getting punked basically but then when i saw your piece um and again folks i would encourage you go to the federalist.com and um mrs pullman it's p-u-l-l-m-a-n-n joy is her first name just type that in and her articles will come up but hers is Time Magazine gushingly profiles a successful conspiracy to rig the 2020 election. And you can see how she's, uh, as she's already started to do for us, kind of pointing these things out. Um, and all you have to do is read um, the, uh, the the Time article, mm-hmm. which, by the way, if you have high blood pressure, be careful. Because, as you just said, Mrs. Pullman um, You know, in that article, it says there was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protest and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Um, And then, you know, she actually points out the people behind the curtain, you know, the wizards that are pulling the strings. So in your opinion, um, if you don't mind expanding on, like, how do you think the protest of 2020 really uh, became uh, an important component or tool in this for the upcoming election well in fact i mean and i'm just really going to quote molly ball here and let her her information speak for itself 
Um, but she claims that she spoke with several dozen people who were involved in what she repeatedly calls a conspiracy um, to affect the 2020 election. And so, she, you know, based on her claim, you know, interviews with these people that she says that she did, um, she makes it very clear that, for example, um, the people who are at the at the center of this quote unquote cabal can by text message tell the street activists to, you know, either, you know, basically start rioting or not based on whether they think that will be in their best political interest. So, for example, she talks a lot about how, um, you know, you know, leftist activists were getting ready to take to the streets and, and you know, violent. I mean, and I, and I reported on this earlier, it wasn't just plans, you know, sit out there with uh, signs. They were planning violence, you know, more of what we saw in the riots of 2020, smashing windows, attacking police. That was explicitly, you know, um, put on the agenda by these sorts of street groups in their own documents that, again, they made public, you know, on Google documents for anyone to look at. Um, So and and so in this uh, Time magazine article, she talks about how these Democratic strategists and, you know, Democrat Party pollsters, you know, leaders, you know, part of different Democrat activist groups could literally send text messages to the leaders of these basically riot organizations and, you know, and and tell them, quote, stand down. Um, So they have them ready and waiting (laughs) to do more of the same. And they, in fact, use when they talk to, for example, this cabal, this conspiracy, all the author of the article, Paul, says, um, literally use the threat of more street violence to push for corporate par- um, partners to come out and support their efforts to uh, tamper with the 2020 election. So they went to, for example, the Chamber of Commerce and other business groups and pointed out to them how, uh, you know, how expensive it is to repair broken windows, um, to, you know, move places that just have been gutted by looters and rioters. And so they said, basically, you wouldn't want that to happen again, would you? How about you join our effort? And so that pressure tactic apparently was effective. The article also details how, you know, these corporate leaders were fully on board and using their pressure, especially against Republicans, um, to get Republican elected uh, officials to basically, you know, oppose all, uh, you know, all all desires to investigate um, irregularities in the election, all desires to wait and see, you know, the, before they have the votes counted before declaring Biden the winner, uh, sorry, Biden the winner, so on and so forth. So that the they basically use those, yeah, the the violent activists as a pressure campaign both, you know, on the public and on voters, as well as on interest groups, uh, including big business. Unbelievable. And just flat out. Yeah, just flat out scary, too, that uh, this stuff is going on. And I I don't think uh, a lot of us, you know, have kind of felt this way for a long time, that there were some real dangerous people uh, behind the scenes. And to admit it like this is, uh, I mean, you would think they'd be humiliated, but instead they seem to... uh, you know, to 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 really uh, enjoy it and just kind of smear it in your face. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll uh, continue our conversation with my guest, Miss Joy Pullman. Uh, she's the executive editor of the Federalist. And again, go to thefederalist.com dot com and um, check out the article that she wrote this week uh, in response to um, uh, the Time Magazine article. And also sign up for their daily uh, emails. They're they're really good. I don't always. 
Oh, but when I get lonely, I do. Your memory gets to burning, lean back on the bourbon. So as hell can't keep leaning on you. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 at uh, WFMD.com. And, of course, as a podcast on uh, iTunes. So uh, help yourself to uh, any of those outlets to uh, catch the program or to re-listen to it. Or an important one like this, to share it with somebody um, that you might uh, uh, care about. Um, Because you don't want to be in the dark on this kind of stuff. Uh, We're going to wrap up our conversation with my guest this morning, Mrs. Joy Pullman. She's the executive editor of The Federalist. Um, She's a mother of six, happily married. Sounds like she's got a great life. Um, uh, she has a book coming out soon, soon called, uh, how to control the internet. So it doesn't control you. <laughs> Boy, isn't that, uh, the, the right thing to be concerned about these days. She's also a Hillsdale college honors graduate. Um, Mrs. Pullman, what a great institution Hillsdale is. Oh man. I, I mean, it's getting farther in the rear view with every uh, year, you know, for me, but Oh my! I mean, I've stayed in pretty close touch with it institutionally. It's really changed my life in, in wonderful ways. I highly recommend it to anybody who's got someone who's you know looking forward to college. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I subscribe to uh, Primus their uh, their their newsletter there, and we've had a lot of uh, those folks that are featured uh, in those. Um, uh, newsletters, you know, on the program here, Mr. Mm-hmm. Wilford, per- Professor Wilford from Oklahoma with the book Land of Hope. Oh, he's they- wonderful. Yeah. I read that yeah, book and done his course with Hillsdale has those free online courses. I recommend those two to grownups, people who like me have a day job. Yeah, I agree. So like I'm halfway through um, his online course and it's free. And I mean, so yeah. much, they provide so much of a, of a, you know, a benefit to the, to the general public, especially for people who, you know, might not have any opportunity to go to college or whatever they can still get smart so um in talking about in summarizing i guess uh, winding down the the uh the discussion that you and i are having it sounds like nothing's do you think anything's gonna come of this like is it gonna really get people fired up enough to try to respond and and do some digging and investigating or are they too worried about the cancel culture I mean, I don't know, but, I, you know, the cancel culture is only going to get stronger and, and more dangerous if people do not are not right now willing to risk, you know, the the, 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 the things that come, you know, with sticking your neck out right now. I mean, if, if people are not right now willing to say, look, you know, I, I'm a politician, maybe I won't get elected next cycle, you know, or, you know, there, I mean, I, I, and, that's, and I, I realize that that is a difficult and scary thing, and it's easy for me because my job, I get paid to, to put my opinions out there, you know. So I don't think people should willy-nilly go, you know, um, put, putting, you know, their mortgage and their families on the line. But if people can, uh, when it is possible for them to look at the risk and assess the risk and it's something that they're willing to face, I think we've got to be doing more of that now before it gets, you know, before things get worse. And absolutely politicians to do that, you know, the worst thing that's really going to happen to them is they're going to have a bunch of people complaining on Twitter and maybe they won't get elected. Big deal. You know, there's other people who can get elected. Um, you know, at what point <laughs> it's kind of, you know, it's kind of their job to get out there. And, and, and we need um, we need to have secure elections. And we now have learned a lot about what that entails. And, you know, it might be difficult PR wise, but it shouldn't be difficult in reality just to say, look, you know, it, 
nobody, you know, everyone on the left and right should be able to agree that we support the most secure forms of elections possible, because that's just a basic fair play thing. So anyone who opposes that is really, you know, really being an extremist, um, you know, uh, basically saying, I don't support fair play. Well, if you don't support fair play, at least we all know where you stand, you know. Um, So that should be something going forward that legislature should really be doing cleanup with. And even if you don't even if you don't think there's enough evidence, you know, that there's that many fraudulent ballots or whatever the claims are just for for providing people security for for increasing public trust. You should be able to say to them, look, you know, in the future, we will make sure we can, we can show you the receipts. We can prove this to you. If you don't like the election results, we can prove to you that they were happened fairly and you have to persuade more people and voters next time. So for all of those reasons, you know, regardless of what you really think was the accuracy level of 2020, it should be an easy, you know, easy sell to say, well, we're going to make sure that no one can question, you know, legitimately question that, you know, that we can prove every single thing that happened just for basic integrity measures for basic public trust. That should be something that almost anyone is able to agree with. Yeah, I agree with you on that. That it's just it seems common sense. And I don't I think people are becoming so uh, uncomfortable and some folks are afraid. Um, I think these conversations, even not just the politicians, but these kind of conversations need to continue to happen and don't worry about, you know, the, the pushback. I mean, it's not like anybody's doing anything wrong. Um, it's just conversation. It's different views. It's challenging some things. So I, I really think that uh, everyone needs to do that. And you start looking, folks, you know, and you see that uh, Mark Zuckerberg put $350 million. Yeah, that's right. $350 million into he was paying local governments for them to run their elections, you know, and everyone knows that Zuckerberg is a lefty. Again, like that is just, it scares people. He shouldn't do stuff like that to scare people, you know? No, I agree. There should be no, there should be, you know, just no whiff of, oh, maybe someone who has a lot of money can buy his outcome. Maybe that didn't happen. I'm not saying that it did, but like there should be no even appearance of impropriety just again to secure the public trust. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. Um, And again, folks, read the Time article. It's free. Just search it, read it. I mean, you know, the one of the architects as uh, the Uh, writer ball puts um says as the numbers dribbled out he could tell that as long as all the votes were counted trump would lose meaning they were going to basically keep counting until that was the case this will make your blood boil and then go to the federalist.com and read uh miss joy pullman's uh piece that kind of uh counteracts that and points out a lot of the other uh, stuff that's in the article that, uh, you know, you don't want to miss. Um, all right. Well, Mrs. Pullman, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us. It was really interesting. Great article. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll keep an eye out for your book and, um, hopefully we'll be able to talk about that. Uh, the next book from Mrs. Pullman is how to control the internet. So it doesn't control you and, uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you. Same to you and your listeners. All right. Thanks a lot. And uh, that does it for us. We'll uh, wrap everything up. Um, If you are driving and you couldn't write down the websites, just drop me an email or give me a call and I'll make sure it's just the federalist dot com. 
and uh, you can benefit greatly from the, the this article um, that Mrs. Pullman did. But also, like I said, sign up for the daily um, e- uh, email, the, the newsletter, basically, that they send you with a bunch of good articles to kind of keep you in the know. Um, I, I find it um, enjoyable uh, to check them out. Uh, during the day when uh, when I get them. So uh, that does it for us. Um, I will talk to you on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. Uh, that's, uh, the, we do those live business updates. It's 550, 650, 750 every day. And then uh, we'll be back here next um, Saturday for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock. 